Life with diabetes has some highs and lows, but just like in a normal life, you can make choices which help to make your life easier, improve your health and well-being. In the Diabetic and Healthy podcast, we show you how to do just that. We're here to help you put your diabetes worries behind so that you can start enjoying life with a sky-high smile on your face. So let's meet our host for today's show. Here's Charlotte. Welcome back to another episode of the Diabetic and Healthy podcast. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, Today I am sharing an interview with you that I did with a very special guest called Nick Wood. Nick is a mind and body coach and is going to be one of our expert guest speakers on the podcast. So when it comes to diabetes, I personally believe that our approach and our mindset on the condition is just as important as all the physical things that we do to manage it. So with that in mind, I approached Nick to find out how her expertise could help people with diabetes that might be finding it challenging. So I really hope you enjoy listening to this interview. Hi, Nick. How are you? Hey, Charlotte. I'm good. Thank you. Good, good. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to talk to me today and appearing on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Looking forward to so this. So your title is Mind Body Coach. So that, that's quite an exciting title, I think. But for anybody that doesn't know what that means, what exactly is it that you do? Yeah, so Mind Body Coach. And I wonder if you like it because of the word coach and your link with fitness yeah yeah personal training fitness coach yeah yeah exactly so when we think about the word coach it's often thought of somebody that's um guiding us instructing us allowing us to learn and get better at that which we're we're involved in Mm -hmm. so mind body coach i help people out with matters of the mind Um, matters of the body so physical mental emotional and very much through an educational educational based uh, way so people learn a lot about the structure behind how the mind works they learn a lot about their non-verbal communication so it's very much getting in touch with themselves the area of themselves that they're not so conscious of and familiar of okay Um, yeah yeah so very much it's a learning strategy um, we get a lot more insights into who we are and how we're doing our problems. So that said, what what kind of problems do you help people with? What What's a kind of, I don't know, is there a typical problem that people come to you with or is it a whole range of, of a bit of everything? Yeah, it tends to be a whole range of everything. But of course, you know, there are a lot of specifics. So a lot of phobias and fears relationship troubles, chronic conditions, so long-term pain and health issues, addictions, uh, anxiety, depression, PTSD. And a lot of the time, because it's very much an educational-based approach and people are learning about who they are and, and what's driving their problem, when they come with a specific problem, mm-hmm. quite often, it's actually the crux of it is something completely different to what they thought it was 
Oh, okay. So there's kind of an underlying. Yeah, there's a little phrase. Yeah. Phrase we use a lot, and that's um, the problem is never the problem; it's how we deal with the problem that's the Mm -hmm. problem. Yeah. So I was I was talking to you. I've been getting into a lot of this kind of mindfulness um, stuff and stuff. That was a that was a good word. (laughs) But yeah, learning a lot about that. But it's you know it's our our how we feel about the problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's our mindset, and often you know the word suffering. And something that made me a bit curious is I asked you a little while back. So what do you call yourself? You call yourself a diabetic, I suffer with diabetes. Um, That kind of question allows me to think, well, some people like I suffer with diabetes, some people just get on with their diabetes. Mm -hmm. It's that very word and the very, the way that we deal with situations and deal with problems that dictates whether we suffer from it or whether we experience it and become curious and find ways to adapt and change yeah yeah so it's kind of how we speak to ourselves about things Ooh, yeah yeah absolutely absolutely you know a lot of the times when I'm, I'm with a client and they just make a flippant remark like quiet remark oh I always do that bang pause yeah what say how did you say it because it's very much their body language which also communicates masses of information so it's so important to catch yourself when you make these little flippant remarks because this dictates how we function and how we run you know every single word we speak stimulates neurology it creates brain waves it also stimulates chemistry and this all has a massive impact in our system so if we're regularly saying, oh, you know, I'm no good at that, or I'm, you know, that kind of thing, that all creates a chemistry in our system. And that also dictates how we then evolve and what we do next and that kind of thing. Does that make well, sense? Those things that we make just as a, a flippant remark, you kind of pick up on that. Yeah, absolutely. Because often these flippant remarks are just said so quickly and so fast we just let them go we just know that we're saying it but actually it's a really important part and when we just pause and become conscious of those flippant remarks and when i say conscious i mean aware actually just say the flippant remark slowly out loud and then ask yourself what does that mean to me yeah. what am i yeah. this um So in terms of, say somebody's listening and thinking, okay, I think, you know, I kind of, um, you know, worry about certain things or have anxieties or um, I'm struggling with certain things in my life, but I'm no good at talking. Like I couldn't come and talk to a stranger. You know, it would just be a waste of time. What would you say to, to them? All right, that's a brilliant question. And mostly because the way that I work, being an educational approach, people don't talk about the problems. People don't come to really go into detail about their problems. I mentioned earlier that it's really um, important about the nonverbal body language. Now, what's happening? Because in a session, somebody's going to be learning how their mind works, they learn how they access information. You know, we all have certain ways that we do it. 
So the moment somebody begins to discuss their feelings, discuss their feelings relative to a certain problem, bang, I catch that moment. I need to really assess all the nonverbal cues. And this involves eye markers, hand movements, any kind of facial twitches, breathing. Every single little pointer like this at the beginning of when someone's starting to discuss the problem is the key to us really getting to dig in how we're doing the problem. So people don't have to go into detail. People can tell me very, very little. And sometimes people don't even know what's causing their upset inside of them. So how can they talk about it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. I think that in itself would probably help a lot of people just knowing that even if they came to you and thought, you know what, I don't even know what I want to say, but I know there's something going on that's kind of affecting my day to day or you can can still help there. Yeah. There's, you know, one of my um, uh, live videos I did last week on Facebook was giving people a formula to be able to look at their life in all the aspects so that involves yeah your fitness your health it also involves things like romance career family friends money creativity so when we look at everything as a whole that gives us a bit of insight into where we could place a bit more energy and so when people come along and they don't know what's going on or why they just know there's some kind of friction inside then just by having an example of this as a starting point to give us a guide can really help people to yeah begin to track things become a bit more conscious of where stuff might not be fitting and sitting so nicely in them excellent yeah so i i i joined in on that and it's uh, definitely a really helpful tool so that's something i'll make sure we um we get something on the website maybe some visuals of that for so people can work on that themselves Ooh. Um, so in terms of somebody with diabetes, I mean, something that I definitely experienced myself, um, not so much now because I have a very different approach to my diabetes, but certainly early on, it's just an overall feeling of being very overwhelmed. And I think a lot of it is just the case of you don't get a day off from this. I think it's, you know, there's days it really dawns on you. Um, The days when obviously your blood sugars aren't cooperating or doing what they're told and it's really kind of interfering with um, your activities and what you're trying to do. Um, It's those days that sometimes it it does feel overwhelming, but you think this this is it, like this is it every day. You know, this is, I'm not going to get a day off from this. I'm not going to wake up and be better and, and suddenly not have to, have all these uh these calculations and have to do my injections and check my blood sugar you know this is it and i think that's you know i i I guess it's being human but that would would hit you every now and then and be quite overwhelming and it's something that i have come across frequent frequently with other people with diabetes is they just have this general feeling of kind of being overwhelmed so is, Mm. is that the kind of thing you could help with Yeah, you know, with everything, I never guarantee results, but it's something that comes up a lot with clients generally, whether they have chronic health conditions or not. And you know, life sometimes can be shit, can be stressful, 
and just things just go upside down. And, and you mentioned something just about being human. So that's how it is sometimes. And if we just take the moment to recognize that we are overwhelmed or we just can't cope, it's okay. It really is okay to have this experience and have this moment. The one thing that's consistent in life is change. It will pass. It always does. So it's finding, you know, respecting ourselves when things are a bit chaotic, just pausing. And then the moment we can just accept us being how we're being and struggling, then instantly it does actually help to change the chemistry in the body. So the moment we just pause, take a couple of breaths, recognize we're going through a bit of a struggle, we actually turn off that fight or flight mechanism because that is what's coming into play there, whether it's in a, a very strong way or just a subtle way. So the moment we recognize, we take a couple of breaths, we then turn on the parasympathetic, which is the calming, the restoring, rebalancing, and this means we can also begin to think logically about the problem. So then straight away, you're opening up new avenues of, oh, do I need to readjust something that I'm doing? Um, could I be doing something differently right now? So it's just about being nice to yourself at the end of the day. And certainly, if somebody is consistently struggling with it and it's becoming a problem, then, yeah, having a bit of coaching, finding ways specifically that, allow someone to adapt to this to not get overwhelmed so much or to recognize it when it happens can be really 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 key to getting them moving and evolving in the ways that they want to i'm terribly sorry my toddler has just ran into a room <laughs> and talking about fight or flight you may have heard the uh... <laughs> The almighty tantrum going on in the background as he rebels against getting dressed today. So. Oh, we done that too. We're all on yeah, we're life coming into flavour. <laughs> the joys of lockdown. Um, okay, so what you were talking about, I suppose, is you know if if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're getting those feelings, it's more a case of acknowledging that rather than fighting against it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely we're humans we we emote we have feelings you know these are emotions and they're just part of a bit of energy a bit of something just flowing through us if we resist it it kind of creates friction mm -hmm. so yeah accept it let it be allow yourself it um so another thing <clears throat> that again i've experienced myself and you know spoken a lot with other people with diabetes is things like um, their relationship with food. So being someone with diabetes, it is um, kind of, it's kind of impossible not to think about food. <laughs> it's as much as, you know, people um, that say if somebody's dieting or they're trying to follow a certain, a certain eating plan and things like that, Although they're then mindful of what they're eating, they, you know, they don't have to think about it all the time. They don't have to continuously think about food. But because of the role that food 
um, plays with your your diabetes management it, it really becomes impossible not to think about food and not to think about not only what you're eating but what you're eating next and what you're doing next and what you're going to eat later and because all that comes into play um, when you work out your your insulin doses and everything and I've certainly found that again personal experience and speaking with others this can make uh, quite a uh, unnatural relationship with food um so again is that the kind of things you could work through with people yeah it's kind of interesting and as you're asking me my mind is going hmm because you're absolutely right it's it can become an obsession because let's face it it's different to other addictions because food is necessary if somebody is an alcoholic well then alcohol isn't necessary for life's existence whereas food is so like it or not if it's a problem it's an addiction you still got to go back to it three times a day or however often you're having to eat now one of you know a few different ideas you know when i'm working with somebody on a one-to-one -one basis i'm going to be watching their non-verbals it would be really key to me to get a a clear insight to be able to show them how food is showing up in their mind so you know on a subconscious level we're very visual you know when you you think about explaining something to someone you're going to be coming up with pictures in your mind and what's key is how we're doing the pictures in our mind so for example sometimes food can be very very big in our imagination and it's and this isn't necessarily conscious okay this is very much just the structure behind how humans um convey information or think about things so how is somebody doing it in their mind is really important really prevalent another indicator is and we can also link this back to that wheel that i mentioned so having a look at all the different areas in our lives if there is an area where we're not fulfilled, if we're not meeting some of our needs, you know, perhaps connection and relationship needs or financial security needs, if we're not meeting them, then we will find ways to distract or find ways to calm and comfort ourselves. And if, and food is such a common go-to, you know, there are many ways in which we seek to get a bit of, ease in ourselves you know whether it's fitness whether it's food whether it's smoking drinking um, there's all sorts of ways that our system will use to distract so we would often look at the underlying picture so i'll again just share with you guys if you want to have a look at this what we call wheel of life you can get an idea on how to get a visual onto what areas you could perhaps put a bit more time or love into so that your mind is less focused on one thing yeah i know you've, you've got to focus on it in different ways and perhaps i can't get to grips with how you guys are dealing with it in diabetes but certainly when there's imbalance when there's an obsession it's looking what's underneath that where can we get balance elsewhere yeah no no that makes total sense actually total sense um yeah, the way you use the word balance. So it's just about balancing out where, where you're putting your energy and and where sure. your focus is. Yeah, absolutely. You also mentioned the word extremes um, 
the other day because I did listen to Charlotte's podcast. I thought, if I'm coming on Yay. here, I'm going <laughs> to know much about diabetes. Um, a couple of my family members have got it. So over the years, I've seen them manage it and, and work with it. And, um, and you guys mention extremes a lot. So you, you know, whether you're dealing with your extremes in your, your blood glucose levels, whether you're dealing in, with extremes in how to manage it, you manage it well one day, not well the other day, whether you're dealing with extremes in like the obsessions. It's, life can be a big pendulum and we're walking from one end to the other. And sometimes though, it's important for us to go from one end to the other because then we can just ride it through. And so often we will come to a balance in the middle. And our biggest extremes and perhaps what we perceive to be mistakes or failures are so often our biggest learnings. And when you think about all the things you've ever learned in life, how many of the things have you achieved and achieved in the way where you never made a mistake to, to be in the position? You know, our mistakes are our biggest learnings. Our extremes can be our biggest ways to find balance again. It's funny you say that because when I say my, my attitude towards my diabetes is very different to how it used to be. Um, something I try to do now. So... I have the Libra sensor, which is um, the little sensor on my arm. So I, I scan that with my phone, like I'm, you know, a product in the supermarket, do a little beep, beep and it tells me what my blood sugar is doing and what it has been doing. And it's really useful because it gives you a lot of statistics and you can look at graphs to see exactly what your blood sugar is doing. Now, old Charlotte would have looked at those graphs and been massively judgmental so I'd see a spike and that would be a you know that's a bad thing it's spiked really badly there and it's always oh, it's dropped really badly there whereas the way I've, I've tried to change the way I look at that now is just, just not judgmentally looking at it and going oh yeah look it, it came up there and then I work back and go okay what why did it do that big spike what did I do differently um, and you know it, it's done that big low oh yeah, actually, I probably over-injected there or I hadn't taken into account that I was going to go and do some exercise and that's why it's done it. So I try to look at it and, um, and learn from it now rather than look at it and go, oh, I, you know, I was a bad diabetic that day. I, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a really bad wiggly line and it's, it's not nice and smooth. And I think just, just changing how I look at it has made a massive difference because now I'm actually being productive with that uh, with those graphs and with that data rather than just looking at them and making myself feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a nice thought actually. And it just reminds me of, um, three attitudes to learning, which is part of NLP. It's how we approach learning, how we approach information. And some people can have this positive attitude. Oh, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be great. Some people have a negative attitude where it's like, well, what's the point? It's going to be useless. It's not going to suit me. And others can have this curious attitude. Well, okay, so how can I make this work? Or what can I do differently? Now, them and themselves is quite interesting because I had to admit before I discovered this or learned this, I was always like a positive attitude or I like to think I was like, this is going to be amazing. And it can be really naive because we can hit a hurdle and then, oh shit, we just completely go, well, what's oh, I wasn't planning for that. <laughs> exactly so it kind of goes a bit tits up and obviously if you've got a negative attitude well then it's never going to work but if we go in with a curious attitude 
and just be open to what we're observing, what we're seeing, well then, like you said, you think you just get interested, right? Well, what was I doing then? What could I do differently? What resources do I have that can help this? So it's a wonderful way of looking at things. Just be curious, just have a kind curiosity with it all. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, I could literally talk to you all day, Nick, about this kind of stuff. And I'm sure our listeners could as well, because it really is fascinating. Um, and I hope that everyone will listen to that with um, with this curious, open mind, because it's it's not everyone's cup of tea, as it were. And some people um, are very... I know very matter of fact and they they think um that kind of you know even talking therapies and things like that they're again they go into it with the attitude of this isn't something that could help me this, this wouldn't work for me um so i hope everyone does kind of open their open their mind to this and and come into it with curiosity like like you were talking about and you know what it's so important to remember that i just share information you guys take what you want from it and you use it and put it to the test because we are always the best judge of what's right for us. So, you know, by all means, listen and hear and be curious and then just see what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nick has very kindly agreed to be one of our expert guest speakers on the podcast. So you're going to be hearing a lot more from Nick. Um, and what I will be doing is um, asking our listeners. So we've got the, um, the Facebook group. So I shall ask in there. And also people are always welcome to email me. Um, it's charlotte at diabeticandhealthy.com. Um, and please do let us know your thoughts. Because if there's anything specific that you're listening um, to, to, you know, you're listening to Nick talking now and there's anything specific that you think, oh wow I would love it if Nick could you know could cover this in a podcast um then if you let me know I'm sure that I mean Nick can put our heads together and get that sorted yeah that sounds great well thank you so much again for coming in and talking today as I said could quite happily talk to you all day long but <laughs> I'm sure everyone's got stuff to be doing <laughs> but, um, Thanks again, Nick, and really look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. I really hope everybody enjoyed that and learned lots from Nick. If you enjoyed this episode, please do hit subscribe and remember to leave us a review. As always, your feedback is so important to me and I love hearing from you. So please do drop me an email with your thoughts. That brings us to the end of another episode. So until next time, please take care and have a happy and healthy time. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a healthy and happy life continues. Head on over to diabeticandhealthy.com and join the conversation with other diabetics and their families. All the information in this episode is not designed to replace the advice from the health professional team looking after you and your diabetes. Before making any significant lifestyle changes, do consult them with your doctor. 